0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace Church this morning. I'm Dave. And uh, if you haven't been here in a while, thank you for being here. And if you've never been here, welcome. And if you come here all the time, thank you for coming all the time. The Olympic Games in Mexico, 1968. The marathon is the final event of the program, obviously. And, and uh, the Ethiopian... Ethiopian runner had already crossed the finish line, and the crowd goes crazy. Uh, Ethiopians are obviously known for their running abilities. The crowd erupts, and as he crosses the line, and way back in the field, there was another runner. His name was John Stephen, if I pronounce his name correctly, a Warhee. and he's from Tanzania. He's been eclipsed by all the other runners, and after 30 kilometers, he collapses, he's got severe muscle strain, and I actually found out later that he has severe uh, leg injuries. His head is throbbing, his muscles are aching. Uh, the officials come to him and say, hey, just, just quit, just bow out. Don't go any further, you're gonna hurt yourself really bad and he refuses, he gets himself up, gets his knee bandaged, and he gets back on the, on course. And he hobbles the remaining 12 kilometers back to the stadium and makes the last lap and crosses the finish line. There's only a a few thousand people there left out of lots of thousands of people. Nobody hardly even realizes an hour later after the race that he is crossing the finish line it's one of the most heroic efforts in olympic history that we've been able to witness and afterward he's asked by a reporter why he didn't drop out and like he says my country did not send me here to start a race they sent me here to finish a race so today what i want to talk to you about is a characteristic that's called courage and I want to point us to the warrior God within us. There's a passage in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with the Old Testament, it's broken down into sections just so that we can find things in there. And, and one of, of two sections, there's two sections that are called the minor prophets and the major prophets and they're not called minor prophets because they're less important. They're called minor prophets because they're shorter, shorter in length. And one of the minor prophets, his name was Zephaniah. And I don't want to read this verse from the third chapter of Zephaniah. It's a very short verse, but it says so much. It says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. i me read again. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. I mean, you can live on that verse. You can literally live on that verse. No matter what I'm going through, God's with me. And no matter what opposition I'm facing, the warrior God is with me and in me. i say it one more time. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. Let's read it together. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. There's one attribute of a good soldier that probably stands out above every other attribute that a soldier needs, and that would probably be courage. Not that they always feel courageous, but they are able to act in the midst of their fear and overcome uh, fear with courage. Another word for it is bravery. Another word for it is valor. So in beginning this new series, a brand new series for us today on the the uncommon valor that we have in Jesus and Jesus living in us gives us uncommon valor for our challenges and we need that. God is the mighty warrior in our lives. We need to hear about God's grace and peace and love and and his forgiveness and his gentleness and we come up over those over and over. They're very important, very, I'm not, I'm not denigrating them at all. Those are important characteristics of God that we need to come up over again and again. And We feed on those. Don't you feed on God's love and feed on His grace and His mercy in your life? And It changes you on the inside. But if that's all we fed on, we wouldn't really get all of what God is. And how many of you want to know all about God? And you really want to know all of His characteristics and, and so you don't want to stop you know, if if the only place I ate was a slice of pie. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack in between, what would happen to my body? It would be doing what it's doing now. Suck stuck in a little bit. If that's the only place I ate, then it wouldn't be good. And if the only place that you eat and feed are those areas that you don't struggle with that are a little bit easier to digest, then you're going to be hurting when it comes to the real trials and tests and, and difficulties of life, right? And so we need to know about this warrior God on the inside of us who helps us in our challenges who helps us in our severe problems. He's in there. If we can learn to tap Him, if we can learn to access this faith that He has, then we're going to be a lot better off for our challenges. So that's what this is all about. I think there's a terrific shortage of, of really understanding and grasping the combative nature of God. Sometimes we get a little bit concerned about hearing this kind of thing. But did you know that God is a combative God? Anybody? <laughs> it's getting really lonely up here. <laughs> yeah. And there is a combative nature of God that's on the inside of us. And when the, when the cause is just, then it's time for Him to come out in a strong way. Kenny Luck, founder of Everyman Ministries, an expert in men issues, says... In the mind of the average man, the church is where you learn how to be nice. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And that word prevail has everything to do with a battle, everything to do with a struggle, everything to do with challenges. There's a combative God on the inside of you that wants to come out. And He's there to help us in our times of need. And a lot of those needs are times that are a severe challenge to us. So could it be, and I just pose this question to you, that church, whatever you want to call it, church or worship, this thing that we do together on a regular basis, could it be that this is a time that we should be learning how to fight? It is a time to learn how to be nice, but it's also a time to learn how to fight. Not against flesh and blood, not against the fights that we normally get ourselves into or find ourselves in, not that kind of fight, but fighting with the authority that God has given us in prayer. Fighting not against flesh and blood, but fighting against the evil whenever it encroaches upon our family. Fighting against the evil that is that we encounter wherever we go. Over and over again in the people that we love. Some of us have got to stand up and say, no more. This isn't natural, it's not right, it won't happen. Because I'm going to resist that, I'm going to fight against it. Because the warrior God is on the inside of me and will not let it stand. So is it our mission simply to sit and soak? Or is it to go, to invite, to teach, to disciple? And we always think those words have to do with inside these four walls. But is it in our heart now to go and invite and do things outside these four walls? And actually lead people to Christ outside these four walls? Hopefully we're in partnership together. But if we start to love people and serve people, and invite people, and love people, then we can disciple them there, no matter where we are. God's not limited to the four walls of a church. I've noticed that when Jesus, just recently I've noticed this like never before, that when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist, when he came out of that water, he was hardly dried off and he initiated conflict with the devil. The moment that he came out of the water, it was game on. Before that, he was almost in secret. As soon as he was baptized, Holy Spirit fell upon him and he charged into the desert. It was the fight of the century. It was the fight of all time. And it started immediately. And what I see in Jesus is I see a combative of God against evil, against the forces of evil. And I know that he lives in you. And he's ready to do some battle. Jesus is the man who said, hell will not be able to resist the aggressive fight that I'm bringing in. This is the also the visible divine one that we find in the Old Testament he's called the warrior God in the Old Testament and let's see this first introduction of the warrior God from Joshua chapter 5 a little bit of background Joshua had been in the wilderness just, you, your life ever been like this you just kind of go in circles I know it's just been me and you find that you just, you're not really making progress like you want to make progress. And, and you're just going in circles. Well, Joshua had, had, it, had, been, had it up to his chin, up to his nose, up to his eyeballs with this circle and no progress. And he was so ready. After 40 years in the wilderness, he's ready to lead this, these people. The mantle of anointing came upon him from Moses. Moses had died. He, then he crossed, he led them across On dry ground, just like Moses led them across the Red Sea on dry ground. Now Joshua, you see the same power coming through him. God's power coming through Joshua as he begins to lead. He's a new leader. And he leads them across the Jordan River. The river backs way up and they go across on. In fact, it stayed backed up so long that he told him to get 12 leaders of different tribes and go get big stones from the bottom of the river and bring them up on on what would be the shore and stack them there as a memorial of what of the miracle that God had done. What miracle has God done in your life? Is there something that you can look at in your life? So when the struggle is hitting now, that you can look back at that pile of rocks and realize that God did a miracle before, He'll do it again. All right? So this is the God on the inside of Him, leading Him, and they get across. The whole army is getting across. And then Joshua takes a little bit of a breather. He's on the other side with his army. And he, he removes himself for a little period of time. Across. Away from everybody else. In the dark of night. And he's in there meditating. And he's in there praying. And we'll pick it up here. In verse 13. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. You'll have to just listen. Or follow along on your phones. Or in your scripture. There's just too much. I want to. To say with these passages, I didn't want to put them all up on the screen. So it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. With a sword drawn in his hand, Joshua approached him and asked, Are you for us? Or are you for the enemy? And he answered, You know what? I'm here as the commander of the Lord's army immediately Joshua bowed his face, touching the ground in worship. Something wild is happening here. Something extraordinary is happening here. And he asked, Sir, what do you want to tell me? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So the army of Israel is just beginning to face a hard conflict. With Jericho. Behind them, the Jordan River has begun to flow again, so they can't retreat. Ahead of them is tremendous challenge ahead. Walled city. They've never seen a walled city before. Have you ever come up against challenges that you've never seen before in your life? And they're not sure what they're gonna do. So Joshua is just looking for leadership from God. Removes himself to pray, meditate. And as we sometimes do when we're deep in thought, we just kind of look up. And Joshua does that. He looks up and he's startled because a man with a drawn sword is coming for him. And so he jumps up and he approaches him. He says, Are you on our side or are you on their side? He says, Neither. And I want to say it this way. He said, I'm not on either side. In fact, I'm not on your side. You are on my side. You get that? Please walk away with this. This will help us. I'm not on your side. You're on my side. I'm the captain of the Lord's host. The host means angels. I'm the captain of all the angels. And Joshua recognized his superior, recognizes his commander in chief and hits the ground in worship. Whenever you see that happen to This kind of a strange, mysterious person, that's the man God in the Old Testament. That's the second member of the Godhead in the Old Testament. When you see that person worship, when you see that person of God worship, you know that you're dealing with divinity. Wow. So he hits the ground and he begins to worship, and he says something interesting. He says, Tell me what, tell me what, in other words, give me my orders. Give me my orders. He said, take off your shoes. Holy ground. This is the divine man of the Old Testament. We see the same warrior God born in Bethlehem. He was a carpenter, he had strong muscles, he had calloused hands. He worked with stone, a lot of people think it's wood that he worked with. It was probably stone that he worked with. He probably had punk biceps. I mean, this guy's a man's man. I wanna ask you a question. How do you see Jesus? I don't think any of the pictures I've seen really do him justice. The image that comes to my heart from, word, from the word of God is that this man was tough as nails and kind as a dove. And that is a tricky combination. And he did it and that's who he is. But he was a carpenter, he made a homemade whip When he was full of anger. Because the house of God was being abused. And he went in there and overturned these heavy tables in one swoop. And drove all those religious fanatics out of that temple. Because they were off. They weren't giving true worship. They were corrupt in their hearts. You know what I see in Jesus? I see the same combative God, the warrior God in the Old Testament. I see him alive and well in Jesus Christ. And not only that, but I see him rising up in me when I face a challenge, when the enemy oppresses me. And I hope you do too. I hope he'll rise up strong in you that you know that you've got energy, you've got help, you've got power that you didn't even know He you had access to. It's there on the inside, to help. So today is a call to courage. Jesus is absolutely a man of courage. Jesus knew, why? Why was he such a courageous man? Because he knew the stakes were as high as they could possibly be. The souls of men and women were at stake. And he was so committed to his mission. And I want to ask you, do you know how high the stakes are in your life? Do you know how high the stakes are for your child, for your son or your daughter? Do you know how high the stakes are for you for your own soul? It's time to stand up. It's time to answer this call to courage. The firemen in 2001 911. What caused them? While everybody was coming out of the towers, what caused them to go the opposite direction against the flow and go up the towers? Because there were lives at stake to save. And I believe that was the warrior God inside of them going to rescue. Would you agree with me? What was it on the inside of those three American young American soldiers on the Paris train when the guns started to fire and then they subdued that, that gunman. I know it was because they knew the stakes were high. The passengers all around them, their lives were in danger and the courage welled up within them because the warrior God was on the inside. I think there's even a movie made this year about from Clint Eastwood. I don't remember the name of the movie. Every one of us wants to be strong, wants our lives to count. We want to live a powerful life with this warrior God on the inside. God gave you a warrior heart. I want to tell you why he gave you a warrior heart. Because you were born in a world at war. A war of good against evil everywhere you go. Surely you're aware of this, right? You can't help but be aware of it. That your love is being opposed. That your dreams, your friendships are being opposed. How much hardship will you endure? How long and tenaciously will you persevere That is all determined by how much in touch you are with a warrior God on the inside. Does that make sense? You may have a job you hate. You may even have a boss that is difficult and arrogant. But if you can see that this just might be warrior training for you, you'll find a way, won't you? I won't ask you how boot camp was. If you're in a difficult marriage, you can only persevere if you are in touch and tap that warrior God on the inside. Not to fight the other person, but to fight the evil. And you just will not let it stand. When your child gets hit with drugs, What are you going to do? There's got to be something that rises up on the inside and says, No. 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 And you're going to take your stand in the authority that you got and you will not put up with it. You can't change the person, but you can tap into God. And it can change. It can absolutely change. And you can rescue that girl. You can rescue that boy. They still have to make their decisions. But you have a big part in it if you'll tap the warrior God on the inside. See, a lot of times we just think things are going to happen. And it's not all written in stone, it's not all predetermined. It's determined by how much you will tap in and pray and take a stand. And not put up with the evil that comes. So the heart of the warrior says, I will put myself on the line for you. I will take extra time and I will pray for you. When nobody's looking, I'm going to be on my knees. And I'm going to tap the power of God for you. And there are some things that we just ought not put up with. I've got to do something. There's freedom. There's souls to be had. So may I encourage you, I know this is pretty strong today. That's okay, right? (laughs) But it's time, guys, to say, why is life so hard? Let's just stop it. Why is life so hard? We have to stop waiting for heaven to come now. We're going to be in heaven forever. But right now the battle's on. Let's take that hardness as a call to fight and rise up and face it down. I just want to encourage you, don't let your foot off the paddle. Don't let off the pressure on the the works of the evil one. Those people around you that haven't changed as you keep on praying, just pray more. Just keep the pressure on. You're probably pretty close to a breakthrough. But it gets the most fierce right before the breakthrough. I've seen that over and over again in my life. It gets the temptation for depression, the temptation for, for uh, 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 everything evil is most intense right before the breakthrough. So put the pressure on again and keep it on until it does break. You're a warrior, and your destiny is to join God, the warrior God, in this victory. In the war and in the victory. It's both. We get to fight alongside. I'm just glad I'm fighting next to him. (laughs) Right? He's the one that came at Joshua with that drawn sword. He was ready for battle. We get to be on his side. So Jesus really, how do you look at Jesus? Hopefully a little bit different already. He's not the poster child for pacifism. He wasn't the world's nicest guy. Probably Buddha would be voted for that one. Jesus wasn't that way. But God musters us up as warriors to be on his side. The other day I was just kind of filming through. I got a couple million channels on my TV. And uh, it's like a guy's environment I, you know, I'd never stay on one. I watch five; it just drives her crazy. Watch five movies at one time, you know. And uh, I happened to be on Braveheart. She wasn't in the room, so I could watch my violent show. Uh, but Braveheart is an R movie, and I don't recommend it for small children. But it is one of my favorite movies. It's just, and it wasn't uh, totally close to the real history. But William Wallace was a real person, and he was a Scotsman that fought the English, and and there were real battles. And I was watching this reenactment of the Battle of Stirling, and it was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. When you know I watched that movie several times, and he's riding along his infantry, and and he's giving his this great inspirational oratory to all the soldiers, and and they're looking out there, they're looking at their group, which is a Few thousand, and they look at the English, and it's like lots of English people, and, and he's like, "We can do this," you know, and, and they're like, "Right," and so he's just riding up and down on his horse, inspiring, and pretty soon I'm like, "I want to," <laughs> you know, "I want to go fight," you know, it's just so inspiring, and, and he comes back to his group of commanders, and there's a handful of them, and, and they said, and, and it's so funny, they say, "Great speech." Now what do we do? And so he starts to ride off, and they say, where are you going? And the English had already started to send their delegates to the middle of the battlefield to talk terms, and, and so he's riding out to talk terms with them, and he shouts back, I'm going to pick a fight, I'm going to pick a fight. And I thought, there's a lot said in that small phrase. Because I see that's Jesus all over. He didn't let it just come to him. He went picking fights. And he picked fights with the people that got it wrong. That thought that God was a mean God. And that their duty was to make life miserable for everybody else. And Jesus came to pick a fight with them. You don't believe me? Let's look at one. Luke chapter 13. Jesus heals a crippled woman. On the Sabbath, the Pharisees get all bent out of shape. Does Jesus play nice? No. He goes and picks a fight. Look at this. So one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Everybody say evil spirit. Because this is real important to see this. He's going to bring blessing and healing to a woman that had been bound by Satan. Basically what Jesus is going to do, he says, What's, whose side are you on? A lot of people say that they're on the side of God and their actions prove otherwise. You can tell by what they do to people. And he's saying... You are keeping them in bondage. Now, look at what this, is, what this says. She has been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand straight up. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, "'Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness.'" Then he touched her and instantly she, would, she could stand up straight. Can you imagine? Really, guys, can you imagine? Oh, she stood up 18 years. Think of it was you. Couldn't stand up, you're bowed over like this for 18 years. Jesus comes into your life. How would you feel? Uh, Am I getting overexcited? No! 18 years! Healed! What would you think? What would you think? Uh, Hopefully, you're thinking, wow, look what God did! Right? Not this guy. Not this guy. And not all his cohorts around him. Something else happened. Something evil was working in his heart. I want you to see it as evil. Because what Jesus did was so good. Was so God. Was so powerful. So here's what happened to this other person here. Amazing when God moves. How people react differently. Depending on who they're motivated by. Is it? But the leader in charge of the synagogue, he saw that same thing that everybody saw. He saw this woman healed after 18 years. Saw her straighten up. Nothing like healing, is there? But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant. How could you be indignant? How could you see that and be indignant? I just cannot comprehend that. How can you see the work of God, the healing of God, and be indignant? I don't know why I'm yelling today, but I'm just so excited. (laughs) But how could you be indignant at that? I read this and I get upset sometimes when I'm reading the Bible. It's like, how? And that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days. Here, let me put it how I, I feel. There are six days of the week. Have you ever had that kind of attitude When something good happens Well, it isn't that good What's, what's going on in our hearts When we do that I'm the world's worst at it Shut up <laughs> But when we do that and There's something going on We're jealous We're, we're tired, cranky you know, all, There's all kinds I don't know what was going on With this guy But he really ticks me off. Doesn't he do you, I mean, how can you be indignant when this lady has just been healed after 18 years? The blessing of God's come into her life. He says, there's six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. So he's influencing everybody, trying to come on those days to be healed. Yeah, right. You got the job done in the last 18 years. Come on, those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites. I've come to pick a fight. You hypocrites. Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out to water. That's work, isn't it? The dear woman, the daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? And look at this, verse 17. This shamed his enemies. But all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things that he had done. It shamed him. There's another occasion when he heals a person and they get mad again, and he raises the bar, and then he says, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You know, they didn't hardly accept him as a rabbi or a teacher. And now he raises the bar on them and says, You know what? I just forgave his sins. In other words, I'm God. Deal with it. Second member of the Godhead from Old Testament, the warrior God. He's here. I'm it. I'm him. Back to Zephaniah the Lord your God is with you, the mighty God. The mighty warrior he saves. Is the Lord a nice guy? Not to his enemies. Virtually every book of the Bible, Dr. Tremper Longman says this, Virtually every book of the Bible tells about God's warring activity. I wonder if the Egyptians who kept the Israelites in bondage and endured and experienced the plagues, the pestilence, death of the firstborn, if they thought God was a nice God. Or if they had just encountered the warrior God. You remember Samson? What's really interesting about Samson. He killed a lion with his bare hands. How is that possible? you ever seen a lion in a zoo? Powerful. Man, there was a lion in the zoo. Uh, I think it was the St. Louis Zoo. All across. You know, they have that big gully in between. So the lion doesn't get to us. And... He was over there laying in, in the shade, all of a sudden, he starts to roar, and I'm like, <laughs> I am like, oh my gosh. And he was about 100 yards away. And I was like, wow. And so Samson killed a lion with his bare hands. He took a jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand soldiers. And then scripture says, that he was able to do that because the spirit of the Lord was on him. That's a warrior God. Still alive, guys. He's on the inside of us, living now. He's not fighting people. He's fighting evil. Hmm. Now I'm not suggesting that we become bullies. And Jesus was never a bully, right? Never. But the Bible's clear that Jesus was a powerful man on this earth. And he was highly respected by, both by people that loved him and both by people that hated him. He say, well, I'm not really a warrior, Dave. Everyone is a warrior. And they go back to Braveheart, the prince of the Scots who's next in line for power. They're walking out alone. They got some alone time. And 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 uh, William Wallace talks to... to uh, the prince and, he, and the prince says you know I can't really lead like, like you lead you know, I just, I really can't do that you know I've always noticed this that when you don't have courage that you have excuses okay I've noticed this in my life <laughs> that when I don't have courage then I'll just come up with excuse after excuse after excuse but when I go down deeper where God lives And he starts talking to me and saying, you know, this is possible. You can do this. In fact, you can do everything I ask you to do. And I start believing that. And all of a sudden, courage comes up in my heart. And I don't think it's from myself. I think it's from God. I think it's innate in God living in us. He changes us, doesn't he? Changes us from weak and wimpy. And he changes us into really strong people in Christ. To where we can do some amazing things together. I'm really excited about Whitetail. I've been waiting all year for this. Uh, even before that. I'm really excited about, uh, I think I call it uh, white fever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not fever, but it's Whitetail fever. Excited about this, the potential. You know, you know really what the stakes are here? They're very hot. Because I believe that you're going to be able to touch some people heart, their family, they're going to be changed forever. Baby. I'm just going to speak that over us and over them. They're going to be changed forever because you're going to sell some tickets or you're going to buy some tickets for them and let them go free. Or I tell you what, I will even do this if you'll if you if you want to, I'll challenge you. Church will buy a ticket if you'll match. If you'll buy a ticket for somebody, I'll match. We'll, we'll as a church we'll match that. I don't know where that money's going to come from, but you know when you take those steps, God God comes through. God always comes through when there's courage, when there's steps of faith. And there's some people in your life, or, or maybe they're going to come in your life this week, next week, or this month before this event, just so that you can buy them a ticket, just so that you can invite them and tell them to come and bring them. Maybe come here or meet here, bring them here, whatever, however you want to arrange that. And they're going to have an experience of their lifetime. They'll be able to peg this as, that day I received Christ. That day, my child turned around. That day, my son and my daughter started to walk with God. Believe it? You agree with me? It can happen. It will happen. And so I just want you to get in faith with us together. and, And let's just see what God will do. He's just... It's like with Joshua. he came, he's ready to fight. He's ready to get evil off the backs of people. And that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. It's not about whitetail. I love to hunt, but it's not about whitetail. That's just part of it. Look at this. Look at this dude. Look at this. That's worth over a thousand bucks. I don't have all the scope and everything on it. That's worth over a thousand dollars. We're going to give this away in a drawing. It's called a mission bow for a reason because all the proceeds from this bow goes to missions. That's what this company's all about, this Matthews Bowes, Matthews Archery. It's just so cool. I was, I, I got this in the mail last week when Randy sent it to me, and I got it, and I was bringing it over to the church, and I was walking it out to my car, and of course it's in a case in a box, and, and I'm thinking it's because I love this stuff. And I'm like, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Woo, got it up here, and Jimmy was up here, and. Uh, We've got it out of the case, and I was like, "Jimmy, it's more blessed to give," and because he likes all this stuff too, and he's like, "Wow, that is a nice bow." I was like, "Yeah, I know, I know." So this is going to go free to somebody, you know? They're going to be blessed, outstanding, outrageous generosity through this event, right? Oh, God is good.